Hello and welcome to another episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. I will be talking uh, just myself today with uh, Luca from Masalingua and a few things that we go into include the background and how Masalingua got started, the concept of Ikigai, which motivates you to learn the language in the right way, uh, how languages are relevant to living or not li living in the country, how to raise trilingual children and the one parent, one language approach, time management techniques, and plenty of other things about Luca's background with language learning and with Masalingua. So I think you'll find this a very, very interesting episode. And uh, just keep in mind that you can, of course, join our Patreon, which is related to this podcast. And in Patreon, we have multiple different levels. We have the language dabbler level where you'll get extended episodes and you can join the Patreon community and you get the archives to all of the previous episodes. We got the language hacker level where uh, you get a voucher to use for any of our Fluent in Three Months courses. And you'll be able to ask any questions of Shannon and I, where we will answer them in video form every single month. And we have the language master level, which has everything in the other tiers and uh, early access to particular posts that I'm going to be doing, as well as my uh, vlogs that I'll be making from my travels that I'll edit just for you guys. So really big behind the scenes there. I think you guys would really appreciate that. And I want to make sure you uh, consider checking it out at languagehacking.com slash Patreon. So definitely look into that. But otherwise, let's dive into today's episode with Luca. The links and resources mentioned in this episode can be found at languagehacking.com forward slash 114. Welcome to the Language Hacking Podcast from Fluent in Three Months. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. I'm your host, Benny Lewis, and I have an interesting guest for you today, Lucas Sederni from Masalingua. So uh, Luke has got his own interesting story uh, when it comes to language learning. So I want to hear all about his story, but we also are going to dive into uh, how he became the co-founder of Masalingua, and you'll hear a bit more about that. So without any further ado, I'll ask you, Luca, if you could give us uh, a summary of your background in terms of how language learning became a part of your life. Yeah, so hi, Benny. Uh, first of all, uh, thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's such a pleasure. So yeah, in terms of, uh, of background, uh, so as many, so I'm, I'm from Italy and like many um, Italians, I had to learn languages at, uh, at school and I had to learn English. So I started, let's say that English was my first, uh, my first foreign language. And uh, I had to say that I struggled a lot to learn uh, English because, you know, I studied, I think that I studied uh, English for 12 years. And then I realized that in my early 20s, I realized that I, I realized that I was not capable of speaking English. So I knew a lot of grammar, a lot of words and phrases, but I was not able to speak. And it was really, really, really frustrating. So um, I, 
it was a, it was a, a big problem and I convinced myself that I was not good with languages that you know I I didn't have the gift for languages at, at the time I thought that uh, such a thing existed and uh, and and then everything changed one day because I got the possibility to study one year in France in uh, in Bordeaux but I had a little problem I spoke zero French at the time <laughs> so I had to I had to learn all the French I could I only had five months before moving to Bordeaux and basically every day I was studying French and also testing different methods and techniques to learn languages. And my obsession was really to find a way to learn a language more quickly and efficiently because I, I was not happy with, the, of course, with my results and all the hours I put into learning, learning English. And, uh, and then when I arrived after five months, when I arrived in France, I realized that I was capable of uh, understanding 70, 80% of what people were saying. And also that, you know, after a couple of weeks, of course, at the beginning it was hard, but after a couple of weeks, I was able to speak the language with many imperfections, making mistakes, but I was able to communicate and wow, people were understanding me and I was able to communicate. And so it was like, you know, a turning point for me. I realized that anyone can learn a language that, that I was capable of learning languages. And it was only a matter of having a good method, the right motivation, because of course, having only five months to learn the language, you have a very strong, you have a, a deadline and also you have a big motivation. And uh, I realized that everyone can learn the language. So it's basically how my adventure with the languages started because then I, I decided to apply the same method I used to finally learn English and be able to, to speak English. And, uh, and then, you know, I learned other languages like uh, Spanish, Portuguese, Romanian, uh, German for different reasons, let's say. And uh, yeah, so this is my language background, let's say. Okay. And from there, how did you get into Mosolingua? Yeah, so um, as I said, uh, as I said, at that point, I realized that uh, I, that that anyone can learn a language and it was possible to learn a language and that I discovered that there is there was a better way of uh, acquiring a foreign language. So I, you know, when you, when you discover something and you see so many people struggling, like I was struggling before, I, I, I thought that I had to share that with as many people as possible. So, you know, I had several ideas. I was thinking, you know, of writing a book or maybe starting a language blog, something like that. And then, you know, sometimes life is very, I am really fascinated by the, you know, the serendipity. So the, our, our life can, can give you, can, can help you meet the right person at the right time. Because after a couple of years, I met. Uh, Samuel, the other co-founder of Mozalingua. And uh, yeah, actually Samuel um, uh, had created the first version of a mobile app to learn Spanish because he wanted to learn the language and he was not satisfied with the school methods. Uh, uh, so really the same situation. And 
we shared the same vision because he wanted to share with as many people as possible a better way of learning languages. Uh, languages. Uh, so a more efficient and more, a better way of learning languages. So it was a great match because not only we were sharing the same vision, we had the same mission, but you know, our profiles were really, uh, really matched because, you know, I'm a language lover and web marketer and uh, Samuel, he is uh, an engineer and a mobile developer. So we really had complementary skills. And so it started from there. Then we, we decided to improve uh, the mobile app. We created other courses together, other resources. And basically this is how Mozolingua started more than 11 years ago, almost uh, 12. And what would you say uh, makes Mosalingua stand out as unique among other resources people could use? Well, I always like to say uh, that you have a, a lot of valuable resources out there, a lot, a lot of valuable tools, and that uh, when you learn a language, you need to um, to build your own ecosystem of tools because you cannot, um, I think that you cannot really learn with the one tool. Uh, so you need speaking practice, you need, you, you need to get exposed to audio material. And then you also need to learn, you know, words and phrases, because to me, they are really like the foundations of a language. If, uh, if we imagine that language, lear uh, learning a language is uh, like um, building a house, for example, words and uh, phrases are like the bricks of, uh, of the building. And uh, so what what uh, really stands out, I think, is, the, is, is that it's a very effective way of learning new words and sentences to start with, if you use the, the mobile app. And uh, in, we decided from the very beginning, uh, and I think it was like the DNA of Mozalinga, we, we decided to focus on efficiency. So maybe our app is not so fun, uh, you know, it's not, uh, you, you are not like playing and, uh, and of course we try to, to improve that part, but we don't think it's the most important part. What do we want that if you put, I, I don't know, 10 minutes of your time, it has to be worth it. So you need to have some results and some progress. So, uh, what you do is not easy. So it's not like, you know, recognizing images and so on, which is funny. It's perfectly fine, but it's more, you know, you, you have to work with flashcards. You need to, uh, to try to remember, to, to learn and to memorize words. And so if I, if I had to, to, to choose one feature is to efficiency. It's very, it's very efficient. And also we, we always try to have, as we are all language learners. So now today we are more than 35 people and one of the, um, let's say the conditions that we have when we hire someone is that even for a, you know, an English teacher, he has to speak at least one foreign language, a language, because if you don't, if you don't understand the struggles of a language learner, we, we think that you cannot really teach the language. And, uh, uh, so, uh, as you know, we are all language learners and lovers. We we we, we only choose to to put in the app useful content in the app in our courses useful content. So you will not find you, for example, phrases you you will you won't use. 
And to, to build the, let's say, the corpus on the app, we decided to use frequency lists. So we, we, we bought a list at the time with uh, the most frequent words and phrases that you can, uh, uh, that you can listen in a, in a TV series, for example. So like that, the app starts, when we start, you, you learn the most useful words and phrases at the, at the very beginning. Excellent. So I, I want to dive a bit more into your learning philosophy. And one thing you've talked about on your site is uh, Ikigai. So could you explain what, what is that? How did you discover it? And how is it related to your passion in learning languages? Yeah, so Ikigai is a, is a Japanese word that means reason for being, because Iki in Japanese means to live and Gai means reason. And so let's say that our Ikigai is our life purpose. So raison d'être in French, uh, or as some say in English, the reason to get up in the morning. So you, you had this reason to get up in the morning. And uh, I discovered the, this concept thanks to, to the book written by Ken Moggy, The Little Book of Ikigai. I read a lot. I really like books and self-help books uh, or books about uh, learning in general. And then, of course, I read uh, other books and articles on the subject. And uh, I, it turned out that I, uh, that, that I found that my Ikigai is improving myself and helping other people improve themselves. And to me, languages are one of the best ways to improve ourselves and our life. And also, you know, when, when you talk about Ikigai, you say, usually say that to find your Ikigai, you need to find something which includes four qualities. So what you love, what you're good at, what you can be paid for, and what the world needs. And again, in my case, helping people improve their skills and in particular, uh, their language skills uh, has those four qualities. And I'm really sure it resonates with yourself because I, I can see that you have the four things with your blog and all the things you do in your life. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of parallels for people who've uh, um, tried to get the best out of life. And uh, Ikigai is a good way of uh, referring to that. So um, you're, like you said, you're a lifelong learner and uh, everyone in your team at Mosalingua are active language learners themselves. So it's actually something that you dive into that you try to learn a new language every two years. Um, is that is that right? And how do you decide which language you're going to learn? Yeah. So well, to to be honest, I'm I'm taking a break right now. So in the past, I was learning two languages every every two years. Uh, so so far, I taught myself uh, six foreign languages. Uh, and right now I'm, I'm focusing on maintaining them. I'd like to learn Japanese, but it's a big investment. So I'm waiting a little bit to have the right, uh, the right conditions. Um, so if I look back, back and I analyzed uh, the reasons why I learned uh, those foreign languages, those six foreign languages, um, I think that at the beginning I learned English and French because I really needed them. English for professional reasons, French because I had to spend one year uh, over there, you know, to, in France to study to study at university. Then, uh, for other languages, I I simply fell uh, fe uh, fell in love with the country where the language uh, is spoken. For example, it's the case for Brazilian Portuguese. 
uh, I, I don't know why, but I really like Brazil, Brazilian culture, Brazilian people. I'm in love with, uh, with, uh, everything related to Brazil. So that's why I decided to learn Brazilian Portuguese. And, um, And then, you know, to have a more direct access to the culture of uh, a particular country. Uh, I not, uh, on other occasions, it's simply because I love uh, how the language sounds. Uh, and to be honest, uh, so far, I also chose uh, many Latin languages because, you know, I'm from Italy and it's easier for me, you know, to learn Spanish, Portuguese and so on. And so now I had, I had to start, well, I, I have been learning uh, German, but uh, uh, apart from German and English, I speak other, you know, uh, Latin languages like Romanian, Portuguese, Italian. It was easier for me. And I also, uh, I don't know why, but I, um, I am more attracted by these, uh, these languages. Of course. And like you said, there's also the different cultures, like the culture in Brazil. And I'm sure that's impacted, uh, like how your personality has evolved over the years and even how your learning philosophy has changed over the years. So how do you think your approach to language learning has changed based on having lived in the countries compared to when you first tried to dive into French? Yeah, so first of all, uh, what I realized is that uh, is that you don't have to live in a country to learn a language because I spent, for example, two months in London But when I, when I left, when I decided to leave, well, I had to say, yeah, I progressed a little bit. I, I made some progress, but it was not, you know, the, the, the fact of living abroad to that helped me learn uh, the language. And, uh, with French, I, I, um, I had a completely different experience because as I said, I studied five months in Italy. And then I, I, uh, I went to France and I, I realized that I learned a lot, uh, without visiting the country. Of course, it was useful to, to be there, uh, there, you know, I lived so far, I think in four, in four countries. So in Romania, in France, in the UK and uh, in Italy and, uh, In terms of learning philosophy, well, first of all, I realized that you don't you don't need to to be there to learn the language, and also that you know there are many people are struggling to learn uh, to learn a language, and it's also uh, I was not the, the the only one, and especially in in, uh, in countries where um, uh, in countries in which they speak. A Latin language. This is a common. This is a common struggle, you know, to learn to learn English or other foreign languages. So, I felt more. I think I felt closer to other other people, to other language learners, and that's why also uh, I think at some point I decided that I had to share the fact that it's not so hard that everyone can learn a language, and uh, and. Yeah. So, and in, then in terms of culture, I think it, 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 the, the experiences that you have in other countries also change, uh, can change you in a more deeper level apart from languages. So how to, how you approach life, how you see things generally speaking. Hey there, language lover. If you enjoy the language hacking podcast, then you will absolutely enjoy our Patreon, where you'll get a closer connection to us, the hosts, as well as loads of extra content, including bonus questions, extended episodes, and other fun things like mini challenges with Elizabeth, language coaching sessions with Elizabeth, my study templates, and the chance to ask Benny, Elizabeth, and I your questions. You can learn more over at patreon.com slash language hacking. We hope to see you there.
And in terms of within your own family, how do you, because you've got children and how do you uh, decide, uh, like, do you teach them other languages? And if so, what kind of techniques do you use with them? Yeah, so I I have two kids. Uh, they are three and six years old. Uh, and uh, from the very beginning, I decided to teach my two kids uh, three languages. So they are trilingual. The, um, they both speak Italian, French, and Romanian at a native-like level. And it's really fascinating to see how they can switch from one language to the other. And they're, you know, it's like perfect pronunciation and also everything. It's a like fluent-like level. And the, the technique I, I used, it's, uh, it's very popular. It's called, uh, because I, I read some books and I studied a little bit before, because I had a doubt, bilingual or trilingual, because three languages seemed a lot to me at the beginning, but then I realized that it's, it's possible. And uh, so the, this technique is called uh, OPAL, which stands for one parent, one language. So one parent, one language. So actually my, my kids speak Italian with me because it's my native language. Then they speak Romanian with my wife because my wife is from Romania. And then they speak French at the kindergarten because we live in France. So it's a very... Um, simple approach, straightforward. Uh, they know the rules because kids really need, uh, you know, like they need to, they need to understand what they, what they have to do. So they, there are no doubts. They know that when they speak French to me or Romanian to me, I tend to correct them. Sometimes I say, can you repeat it in Italian, please? And even if I, at the beginning, I was a little bit, you know, I, I, I can, I could feel that it was a little bit frustrating for them. Now, for example, my first son, he He's six years old already. He's he, he told me th thank you for teaching me Italian because now now he start he's starting to realize that he uh, he's special. So he has something special compared to other to other people, and that uh, Italian and also Romanian are opening the doors of so many things for them. So like the Italian culture, Italian songs, short stories, uh, music, and it's so it's so rewarding uh, to 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 have a direct access to 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 the culture of another country. Of course, they can also speak with uh, my friends and my relatives uh, in Italy. So it's uh, it's really it's really nice. And then you know this was the general approach, the Opal approach: one parent, one language. Uh, then we decided to um, to make them live in a fully immersive environment because at home we only speak those languages. So really, I don't want to say that it's forbidden to speak French, but kind of. <laughs> uh, so we we only use Romanian and Italian. So all their books are in one of these two languages. Uh, they listen to videos and song in Italian and Romanian. Everything is. In, in the in these two languages and also the language switch because you know as I, I also speak and understand Romanian sometimes the conversation the conversation can be you know we start in Italian then they speak they they speak with their mother and it's a Romanian I can understand then they the communication go uh, goes back to me and we we start in Italian again and uh, yeah it's working very well and um, now you know you know as I said my first son has uh, started to get really interested in in other languages, 
because you know he, he noticed that I'm improving uh, German and that I speak other other languages, and uh, he's really fascinated by the fact that I can express my thoughts in other languages. I remember that I was really fascinated at the time when even when you know I met a person uh, an Italian an Italian for example capable of speaking very well in English. I was so fascinated. So I can see that it's the same thing for for him, and uh, so he's always asking me how to say that in German or in Spanish or in Portuguese. So now I I decided to to introducing to introducing a more uh, formal approach because so far it's been like an informal way of teaching the language like immersion and also you know they are just listening to what we and repeating what we say uh, so i'd like to use uh, flashcards and spaced repetition with him to teach english because he, he'd like he'd like to start with english so what i would like to do is to use mozalingua the the app to to teach for example uh, words and phrases and uh, um, you know work together and also as i don't want to him to use too much uh, screens and uh, smartphones maybe we will play together to also create uh, some paper flashcards so like that we will have interactive flashcards he can hear the sounds the native speaker pronunciation at the same time so we can you know he can uh uh, make some pictures of the words he's uh, learning and we, we can create together. It's also a nice activity for, uh, for a parent to, to create uh, flashcards together. And we'll use spaced repetition system for vocabulary. And then I'd like to introduce a moment of the day uh, during which we only speak English together. Uh, so I don't know, I will decide, uh, I decide when, but for example, in the evening, when I spend, you know, 10 to 15 minutes with him, we, we could introduce some stories in English, or we could speak a little bit in English, but let's say that we will start with, uh, with vocabulary. Yeah, that's excellent. And like you said, it's, it's amazing that even at the age of six, he's already showing that level of appreciation. Cause I can tell you from, uh, encountering so many people who, um, grew up with parents who spoke other languages and refused to actually help their children learn these languages. They have so many regrets and they really wish that they had grown up in a multilingual environment so that they could have had that for the rest of their lives. So um, if he appreciates it now, he'll definitely appreciate it even more later in life, especially that you're starting him off with uh, um, like so many different language opportunities. Um, but between what you've learned yourself and what you've learned from all of your research into reading uh, the kind of like self-help and learning books what have you learned about time management because having a family can be very demanding and of course running a company even a company about learning languages it's very demanding and that limits the amount of time that you actually have for learning languages so what kind of uh, time management techniques do you have that help you implement language learning into your life yeah, so I, I um, always say that, you know, when you want to start a new project, when you want to, to learn anything, and for example, to learn a, a new language, it's a matter of setting priorities. So I, first of all, I decided to set my priorities and I choose how to spend, I, I chose how to spend the time accordingly. So, uh, so in terms of uh, priorities, I decided that speaking other languages is one of them. It's simply one of them. It's one of my priorities. So I'm saying yes to languages, and, uh, uh, but I'm saying no to other things which are less important to me, like, for example, Facebook or watching television. Um, 
so many self-help holders, because as I said, I read, I, I like to read a lot of self-help books and they, they, a lot of them say that if you want to find time for something, you must make time. And for example, it's what uh, I think Josh Kaufman says in the, his second book, the first, the first 20 hours, how to learn anything fast. Uh, and um, yeah, it's really true because if you if you say when, when you say that you don't have time, when a person says that that he doesn't have time for something, I think that he's actually saying that he's not really a priority, which is perfectly uh, it's okay. So I can um, if you don't if uh, learning a language is not a priority for you in this particular moment, it's perfectly fine. In my case, I I think that. Uh, in my case, I decided that it's, it was important. So I decided that I had to make time. So how, to, how, so in terms of time management, how, how do I make time? Well, first of all, I like to schedule my learning sessions in a very simple way. So I wake up every day at 6 a.m. because I like to start my day very, very early. Also because I read, I do other things. I do things for myself because as you said, I have two kids, I have a company to run, I don't have a lot of time. So the only solution that I found is to studying a little bit in the evening, but also to, 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 wait, to start the day a little bit early. Also because it's really rewarding to know that you start the day doing something for yourself. And to me, learning languages is a gift that I'm, do, uh, I'm offering myself. So that's why it's not like I, uh, because someone could say, oh, wow, you're, you're starting your day studying. So it's, uh, it's boring and so on. No, because learning a language can be very rewarding and very, very fun. So I wake up every day, every morning at six, as I said, and I started my day with a short study session, about 10, 15 minutes. Usually I, um, I learn new words or phrases on, or I review them. And like that, I'm sure that at least I have studied for 10, 15 minutes a day, because sometimes I have to be honest, I don't have the motivation of the time or the energy to study uh, during the second part of the day or in the evening. And then I put into practice something I learned from another self-help other, uh, Leo Babauta, who is who in one of his books or blog articles, I don't really remember, says something like, make it so easy that you cannot say no. Uh, so what I, what I do, as I said, I do not try to study one hour because, you know, you imagine you wake up at 6 a.m. and you know that you, you have to study German, Portuguese, Chinese, Japanese, anything one hour. So it's a lot. So it's, uh, it's not feasible. It's not sustainable, but I know that I, I do have 10 minutes every day to study, uh, to study the language. So I, I know that this is sustainable for me. And so I'm making language learning so easy that I cannot say no. So this is something, one of the, you know, really things that I, every day I repeat myself, make it so easy, you cannot say no. So study a little bit, 10 minutes, but do it because, you know, a little by little, you, you improve this 1% that, you know, can create uh, compound effects and at some point can, uh, can deliver great, great results. And then I use other little tricks like uh, turning on notifications. So, so like, like that, even if I forget in the morning that I had to, to review my flashcards or to learn the new words, I have a notification from Mozalingua, for example, or when I want to study more, because during the week, uh, during the weekdays, I only study maximum 20 minutes, but during the weekend, I have more time. So I try to study 40, 50 minutes. Uh, 
so I can also, you know, work on other aspects of the language. So I, what I do, I create an event on in Google Calendar, and I know, for example, that. So what I usually do is that uh, at 2 p.m. Uh, when, uh, for example, my second son is uh, is uh, taking a nap and the other one is busy with other things, I have one hour of my time and I can read a little bit and I can study languages. And it's really an engagement with myself because it's in my calendar. I receive a notification on my uh, on my phone, and I, I'm sure that it's not something like okay, maybe I will I will uh, I will spend some time learning languages this weekend. No, I have two events in my Google Calendar and for sure I will do it. I do, I do not say that when I am really tired or I, I I don't fancy studying, I I do not skip it. But let's say that 95% of the times I have an event, so I'm, I, I took an engagement with myself and I'm respecting it. So yeah, basically it's um, you know the 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 main things that I do in terms of time management to uh, find a balance between family and work life and also language learning. Yeah, that's that's great. I would definitely agree with that. And in terms of the future, where do you see uh, like Mosalingua expanding, moving ahead, and what do you think your next language learning projects would be? Okay, so they are somehow related because our next language uh, will be Japanese. And you have to know that Japanese, it's like Brazil. I don't know why Japan, Japan, I'm so fascinated by Japan, but not by, you know, the Chinese culture is so fascinating. I really like China and the Chinese culture, but in terms of language learning and the overall uh, as a culture, I'm more attracted by Japan. So I know that it counts a lot, the motivation in terms of uh, when you're learning, uh, when you're learning a new language. So it will be the next language of uh, of Mosalingua, and also it will be probably my uh, next language and uh, next um, language project. So I'd like to to learn Japanese, and then overall, I think that uh, with Mosalingua, we would like to to cover other languages because, as you know, uh, it's really easy to find resources to learn the, the the most popular languages like Spanish, French, English, and so on, and German. So now we are starting, we would like to also to offer the possibility to use our methods to learn other languages which are not so popular, but I know that, you know, some... Some people, many people out there want to learn, for example, Japanese or I don't know, other um, not so popular European languages. And so we would like to expand it to, to have other, other languages. Okay. And one final question for you uh, that we always ask all of the guests who come on the, on the podcast. What would your definition of language hacking be? Okay. Okay, so, um, well, it's a way of, it's like, you know, uh, in with the computer hacking. So it's like finding a way of breaking the code of a language and find a way of like finding a kind of shortcut to learn the language in a quicker way, in a more effective way. So it's, and it's really the opposite of what you do uh, at school. At least I, I can I, I can um, I can talk about my experience. With, I know I know really well the system in, in Italy and uh, in uh, in France and in Spain. I know that it's really the opposite the opposite of language hacking. And so for me, it's it's just you break the code. You try a way to 
to learn in a more efficient way and to get results quicker, even if it's not perfect, because sometimes with also with the, uh, I think with the computer hacking, it's not like perfect. You're not doing things the right way, but at least you get results faster and you, you progress, you make progress. Very well said. Okay, well, this has been a fascinating interview. Thank you very much for joining us today, Luca. Thank you so much, Benny, for, for having me. And until the next time, I'll wish you a very happy language learning. Happy learning. Bye. Very fascinating chat. And of course... I usually like to give my takeaways and my biggest takeaway in this episode was that nice analogy that Luca gave about if language learning were thought of as building a house, then essentially the words and phrases would be the bricks of the house. There's plenty of other things that go into making a house. There's the plumbing, there's the cement, the insulation. There's a lot of things that go into making a house, but the bricks are what's actually holding it up. And in language learning, I know there's a lot of things to overwhelm us when it comes to what are we going to put our time into, but I would highly recommend that vocabulary and phrases be the forefront of what you are learning, especially as a beginner. And this is how I get so much momentum in my languages is trying to cram all of that stuff and then later on tidying it up with other things like grammar. So I really like this analogy. I'll probably end up coming back to it and using it myself in future, that uh, the vocabulary and phrases are like the bricks of your house in this language learning analogy. So yeah, I really like that, but I hope you guys otherwise uh, enjoyed this interview. And until the next time, I'll wish you a very happy language learning. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you found this episode valuable and want to help us out, please leave us a review at languagehacking.com forward slash review. The Language Hacking Podcast is presented by Benny Lewis, Shannon Kennedy, and Elizabeth Bruckner, and produced by Alice Semino, with special thanks to the Fluent in Three Months team. The theme music was written and performed by Shannon Kennedy. Find the show notes at languagehacking.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening and happy language learning.